Welcome, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole here on Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, my co-hostess, Victoria Monday, and down in the chat room, Alina, moderating the chat. We have a fantastic show coming up for you tonight. Our good friend Brian Cano is with us, paranormal investigator, researcher, author, lecturer, and does a bit of it all. Of course, you recognize him from uh, Paranormal Caught on Camera, Honda Collector, and so much more. So we're going to get into a bit of uh, paranormal history tonight, as well as a bunch of other topics. We're just going to chat, have fun, have a good time following Thanksgiving, which I'm sure we're still all kind of recuperating from that. So I hope everybody did have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I do want to let those know that are watching the audio version or I guess listening to the audio version of this later because you're not going to be watching an audio version, uh, to go ahead and check us out every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Uh, that's where you can watch us live. Those that are members of the portal do get the after show. I forgot to ask Brian at the end of the show, hey, you're going to hang out with us a few minutes afterward for the, uh, for the members, right? So good. He gave the thumbs up. All right. <laughs> A little too late now. A little out. late now. A little late now. I see Jen is down in the chat. Jen, uh, you, you have to show her. Do you still have it there by you? The belt? Or did you put it you, back? You, you mean? Yeah. You mean You mean this? There it is. Jen, check it out. <laughs> He's already getting ready. Piece by piece, element by element. Uh, it's coming together. Little yeah, by little. Going uh uh, Bestman version of, of Han Solo. So for those that uh, don't know, uh, my fiance Jennifer and I, we are getting married May the 4th, 2025, Star Wars themed wedding. And uh, Brian's one of my groomsmen. So, all right. So let's get into this. Uh, <laughs> Not saying anything. You know, we got the, the good stuff out of the way. <laughs> well, yeah, and Victoria's going to go all Star Trek on us. Yeah. I promise I will be very skinny and I will be your... Your slave girl. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Mike is frozen now. I've scared him. <laughs> yeah, really. You're like. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, in the background is moving. <laughs> He's like, crap. Like, what did I Corey, do? What did I invite her? You're <laughs> breaking. Oh. Going through a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Didn't mean to scare you, cuz. <laughs> See, see, you start throwing up uh, live long and prosper and the whole thing pff, wipes out. Yeah, okay. good job, Gus. You make me blush. Cool. So, what is he doing? May, oh, do this. there's, yeah. There My we go. IPhone nice. Four. Oh, the old four. Nice the uh yeah i guess we have to explain to the audio version so he put up the uh han solo carbonite yeah there we go carbonite anyone uh all right brian <laughs> let's actually get let's actually get on topic here a little bit let's so um yes yeah uh paranormal history tell us about the ghosts of yavin 4 the ghosts of yavin 4 well it's it's it, you say it in jest but ironically enough when they were filming uh, the, the scenes at the Rebel base for Star Wars A New Hope, this wasn't entirely a set. It was fashioned inside actual ruins of a right. long uh, gone civilization uh, down in South America. So 
yeah, I'm sure there were ghosts and they were watching, like, going, what's going on here? What is this? Yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah, the mine ruins there in Guatemala. Uh, yeah, fascinating location. And um, what you call uh, Oscar Isaac is Guatemalan, so he had his character Poe be from Yavin Four. Nice, very yeah. cool. A little bit of yeah. Star Wars trivia there. I always appreciate such trivia. things. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so paranormal history. Now you've been. Uh, touring 11 states so far of uh, history of the paranormal uh, fascinating exhibit uh, I was you know guested there with you when you came through Ohio about a year and a half ago and uh, I really like the detail that you've put into this because uh, it goes back you know you, you have an exhibit there on, on Charles Ford uh, you talk about Harry Price you talk about the Fox sister so it's kind of like a, a little bit of everything and so uh i guess what i want to ask you is where your interest came into you're a paranormal investigator but you're a researcher as well so where your interest came in in researching is not really getting into uh, the history of it all i think when it comes to the paranormal we use it not only as an umbrella term for the phenomena we are looking into but also as a community we talk about oh you're into the paranormal but this needs further categorization and classification. And in the spirit of Loiza Rhine, okay, I've noticed that within the paranormal, you have a breakdown of the people who are interested in it. The majority of our community are tourists. Now, I don't say that's in a negative way. Tourism's important. It brings money to the places. It gets the word out there. But they see it more as a roller coaster ride as a as an amusement park a theme park you go you have your scare you leave you're not going to be uh recording anything you're not going to be actively pursuing this and that's fine then you have i'd say about maybe 25 to 30 percent of the community are the investigators these are your black shirt teams these are your people who spends every waking moment weekends their time their money uh their 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 focus into looking into this phenomena sometimes helping people sometimes uh creating contents but that's kind of where it stops they aren't looking to necessarily further the field and then maybe five percent you have the researchers and these are people who may also be investigators and tourists because we can we can move throughout the categories these are people that are looking to further the field to change it to fundamentally anchor what we're looking for it's not enough just to say oh i got an emf spike here well what does that mean okay let's let's dig deeper into it and i put myself in the researcher category because i'm i am looking to get to the bottom of how this works I mean, in parapsychology, the, the three main concerns, is it authentic? How does it work? And the phenomenology behind it. So I'm, I, I believe it's real. Now I'm just trying to figure out how does it work? And the history portion of it, that's all just a good foundation in any vocation, in, in any area of study. You need to know who came before, who did what. You need to know the names, the places, the concepts. And even if it ended up 
resulting in a dead end, that exploration was still on the books and it's necessary. And right now we're in very much an entertainment bubble that's, oh, we're, yeah. we're, then it's great to be entertained. I tell people, uh, you don't have to pick a show, watch them all, be entertained. <laughs> but if you're looking to really dive deeper, you have to go beyond the shows. You got to read, you got to research, come to an event, come to my history of the paranormal uh, exhibit. And in that, and we just passed October. So that's my college lecture season. And right. I always start off with a couple of slides and I say, okay, who's this? And I put up a picture of Grant. They know who that is. Who is this? I put up a picture of Zach. They know who that is. And then I put up a picture of Emanuel Swedenborg. And they're like, is that Ben yeah, Franklin? No <laughs> I put up a picture of, of Eleanor Sidgwick. And they're like, oh. And they don't know. No and that's okay. But that's what, I, that's what I'm here to provide. I'm here to say, yeah, there's people who came before. And I say Ed and Lorraine Warren and everyone lights up because of the Conjuring movies. But right. even they had predecessors. And that's what the exhibit's all about. To move forward, sometimes you have to look back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think that, you know, the shows are good I, to introduce people, I think, hmm. to the, whether it's a location, some various concepts and techniques, you know, to get people's interest. I think to let people know that, hey, there are other people in this world that are having these experiences. I think the last, you know, 25 years have been you know, great because it used to be you talk about these types of things and taboo. And now because, well, in part because of the shows, because of the internet, that sort of thing, uh, people realize that, okay, other people have these types of experiences. But yeah, it seems like people didn't know about, okay, you know, they know about Ed and Lorraine Warren now. Now, but before those movies, I don't think they a lot of people really knew who they were. So they've been introduced to that. So, uh, you know, with your with your research that you've done on uh, the history of and the origins of uh, where these investigators have come from, Hans Holzer and, and others even before him, um, how do you view the evolution? of the process are we still embracing some of the older techniques for technology should we be embracing some of the older techniques for technology are some things coming back or should we just go tech you know it's interesting because back in the mid 1800s during the spiritualist movement we had this explosion of interest in the topic very much like now we have an explosion of interest in the topic because of that entertainment factor. And back then their entertainment were seances and going to see mm -hmm. psychics perform. And that was very much their connection to the other side. But also the spiritualist movement gave us dozens of phony psychics. It gave us fraudulent psychic photographers. It gave us so much uh, chicanery that I'm surprised it still exists as something that we're interested in with so much fraud. But that being said, okay, maybe some of the frauds are more famous. Uh, you mentioned the Fox sisters. They started out legit. They grew up in a haunted house. They experienced activity, but then they had to produce it day in and day out. And we know, I mean, we hear about the TV shows like, hmm, every time they go somewhere, there's activity. Well, right. your, 
you're seeing bits you're seeing the good parts and with the fox sisters okay yeah you heard about their admission that oh it was cracking joints right that was after night after night of, of you'd better perform but they started out with something genuine and that's that's what's important people watch the shows and sometimes they'll pick it they'll point out and they say that's fake or i see how they're doing that okay but the phenomenon is real watch a cop show donnie Wahlberg is not in law enforcement <laughs> law enforcement exists you know right so uh we have to take everything with it so using old school techniques new school techniques i mean now like when i first started and, and you too we had to get things from uh, an electrician's toolkit or from a construction yeah. site to gather data now we have people like uh gary galka and, and bill chapel making things specifically for us and it's an exciting time so i think we don't necessarily want to get rid of the old school stuff but understand how it works and why we should be using it and do what feels right and by that dowsing rods hate them can't get them to work can't use them but we know the concept is sound and that's uh the westward expansion people would use forked sticks to find where the water was to dig wells so the concept is sound. i just can't use it give me a pendulum and uh yeah well i'll go to work now that's interesting that you'll say yes to a pendulum but you are unable to with the dowsing rods because because the, the concept is is similar that's picking up on on energy so fascinating i so, think victoria I, feel, I know you go ahead i feel like the pendulum is more inward facing whereas the dowsing rods are environment facing and any unfortunately most of the people that i come across who use them they're like okay show me yes show me no well and see, that's the thing. Let me get your take on this. And Victoria, I'll, I'll throw it over to you here in a moment. I know I you have her. Look at her face. She's like, yeah, she's um, like bursting at the bubble. The hot, um, the hot chocolate is. Ah, there it is. Um, <laughs> with, <laughs> with the dowsing rods. Yeah. Like when I first started off investigating, I knew people that would use the, the rods for communication. You'll give me, asking me, you know, that sort of thing. And I, I just, to me, I preferred using the the audio recorder uh, for doing those sorts of things. But in uh, over the last several years, really, it was my involvement with uh, the Alaska Triangle that got me interested in dowsing rods again. To not to do the whole, you know, try to communicate with the spirit with the dowsing rods, but really just to find you know energy on the land and see, okay, you know, do we have, you know, is there a potential spot here that could be a little you know, hot spot on this piece of land. And we were up on the mountaintop, you know, doing it and, and actually found a spot. But, you know, I could see like in somebody's uh, backyard or, you know, out on the uh, out on the prairie somewhere, finding what might be a, a hot spot of, of energy. What do you think? Well, you know, it's whether it's old school or new school, you have to know how to use your device. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And even with a millimeter, sometimes I see people moving all over the place with it. I'm like, oh, you're going too fast. You got to be yeah. nice and steady because you don't want to shock the, you know, the, the dials that it's reading. And you could take it and you could flip it and it'll it'll jump to like a 34.2. And if you're recordings, then you could walk and show someone, hey, look what I got. But that's not using the device correctly. And there's so many ways to 
misread the data that comes in. The analysis, although well meant, sometimes I, I, I encounter a lot of uh, confirmation bias uh, in the yeah. background line. It comes a lot from, again, well-meaning people who are not looking to deceive, but again, don't know how they're doing it wrong. And that's why I feel like the education is uh, so important. Agreed. Go ahead, Victoria. Yeah, um, I've recently, well, the last few years, come out of my shell. And so now I'm doing dowsing and I'm telling people, hey, I'm doing dowsing. I do scrying. I do tarot reading. You know, I do astrology. I'm totally old school. When we go off the grid, I'll still be working, in other words. But, uh, <laughs> um, but I do remember hearing a long time ago that the pendulum is more when you connect to your higher guide because that's the subtle vibrations off of your hand that your guide is giving you. That's where you're getting those answers. And as far as the dowsing rods go, that's when you're connecting to whatever is around you. So there might be a little bit of difference in there. Anyway, so I do have one question for you, Brian. How the hell do you play this game? <laughs> or or the expansion. Uh, I had that. Or, or perhaps extreme. Oh, we don't have that one. Extreme. Uh, I don't have that one yet. Actually, this, have to psychic. this is completely revamped, redone, re everything. And you know what? The one thing I lament now, for those of you who wonder what we're talking about, I made a card game. Uh, me and my buddy Chris Mancuso, uh, we love games. We love the paranormal, so we made a paranormal card game. And you know what my paranormal card game doesn't have in the, the basic set? A board. <laughs> spirits. Well, it's a card game, so it's not oh. a board game. Well, so you know, you the expansion, <laughs> there are spirits now. Ah, to, to, to find, to, to, to look at, and to... And I'm like, why didn't we do this? And the reason, and you'll appreciate this, Mike, the reason I we didn't do it is because the game is so meta. So meta. Like, um, mm -hmm. you have to investigate three haunted locations, and there are event cards that come out that represent the paranormal community. So it's how the community sees you and interferes with you. But on that first case, no one knows who you are yet, so you don't draw an event card. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why, why are we putting in the rules to not utilize the game why are we why are we doing it because we had we were so meta we're like yeah nobody knows who you are they don't interfere in your business until you're around for a little while yeah nice. we played it a couple of times um a board would be nice that's all i'm saying um but it's a lot of fun i mean we we took it to the old park hotel and we were trying to play it there and then we ended up turning it into a drinking game after a while because you know we just anyway um, I was gonna there you go, you. Brian. Three pillars as a <laughs> drinking game. What do you think? I'm, I'm, I'm glad I spent so much time on, on meta and rules. Uh, all <laughs> three, should, just, uh, should just put shots in there instead, and it would, it would probably sell yeah. a lot better. Three pillars and three sheets. That's all I'm saying. Repackage it. <laughs> anyway, um, I did want to ask you about, um, I've been hearing more and more about infrasound and how hmm. the effects of infrasound is almost the exact same effects that people are are claiming that they're having when ghosts are around, like the hair standing up and you get the feeling that people are, are watching you and you just get the creeps. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think infrasound is playing a larger part in these hauntings that everyone is suddenly having? Or, I always um, feel like somebody's watching me and I can't get no privacy. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, infrasound, it's an interesting yeah. uh theory uh this i mean it's not a new concept that people have been looking into it for a while even uh people i know 
who came to conventions. There was one one couple. They came, and uh, I believe it was in Gettysburg. And this one gentleman said, "Oh, I have this uh, this infrasound kit, and it's a, it's a, it's a device, and it has a, a dish on it, and it's how we use to find out if there's any cracks, any any uh, breaches." in the apparatus. I'm like, wow, it's amazing. And he's like, I think infrasound is the thing. I'm like, I know nothing about it. And this was probably, probably like 2010, 2011. Mm -hmm. So the concept of, of that, yeah, I, I think there's something to it. I think uh, there needs to be more research and more um, purposeful if P then Q. Right. Uh, Vic Tandy was doing a lot of research. He started back like in the 70s and he went up until the 90s and he just kept going like to a subway, you know, underground subway in England. And the sounds that he was picking up on his instruments gave him the heebie-jeebies, but there was no ghost down there. It was all lower sounds that we can normally hear. So I, I find it really fascinating. I did give a talk on it. I called it the paranormal Peter principle and people just looked at me like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, it's basically what y'all are talking about. You need to learn more than what you see on the TV shows. And maybe there's other explanations out there. Absolutely. I mean, our bodies, even though we like to say, well, we have five senses, and then there's the sixth sense. I always tell people, use your seventh sense. Seventh sense? What's that? Common sense. You know? <laughs> there you go. We, we, we need to utilize this because there are are more than just those senses. I mean, those are just the ones that they termed and said, okay, these are the most common ones, but there's the, I'm hungry. That's a sense. There's uh, a sense of foreboding. There's lots of different senses. The body is one big apparatus that's collecting data, sending it to the brain and the brain's like, oh man, how am I gonna sort this? How am I going to interpret this? Is this going to, is this gonna kill me? Is this gonna hurt me? Low, okay, no, low priority. Let's. Let's move it off to the side. It's got to keep breathing, got to keep existing, secrete those hormones, secrete all the, 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 the stuff to keep this machine running. And beyond that, thank God, it's all uh, unconscious uh, processes. Otherwise, if you imagine if you had to think about digesting, imagine if you had to think about all yeah, the, yeah, the background tasks. Yeah. But that's part of your frequencies, isn't it? Because those are like your your lower chakras, the survival chakras, which puts out a lower, pardon the pun, guttural. Yeah. I'm not even. Your I'm not even aging this. This is biology. It's just boom, yeah. it's happening, and the brain is. And again, the the misconception of we only use ten percent of our brain. No, stop. We use all <laughs> our brain. It's just that most of it is for those background tasks. Okay, that was my only question. <laughs> Back to you, Mike. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, actually, are All you right. going to travel around more with your, your haunted exhibit? Because I really want you to come down to the South. It would be very nice. I would love to, you know. In she wants you there on her New Year's Eve party with your exhibit. Tickets sure, are still on sale. Oh, oh, my God, that would be great. Yeah, why not? Sure. Um, I mean, just I've done well saber. in New England because think I'm, I'm in New York City. In a four-hour radius, I can get to pretty much everywhere. And I've, those are all the states I've done. Looking westward, the westward manifest destiny of my exhibit is difficult. Uh, I need wagon trains. I need a supply line. I need uh, I need people to come to the event, and that's uh, that's a challenge. There's so many 
uh, things going marketing. on right now that yeah. uh, it's 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 difficult for people to know what to choose. And then if they don't hear about it, um, it's a challenge. So 2024, I'm approaching very carefully. Um, I haven't decided on what's going to happen yet. But again, like I said before, that could change tomorrow. Yeah. True. It's it's and a lot of material, a lot of wonderful information. So wherever Brian takes that exhibit, I do encourage people to to go there, check it out. There are interactive elements to it. Uh, there's a lot of information. There's historic items. It's it's really really good. We are are starved here in the South um, for paranormal things because y'all have all the great, you know asylums, hospitals, crazy places, you know, prisons, and all we have are brothels down here. We are starving for that kind of information. So you would do really well between, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth, where I'm at, to New Orleans, man, you got a whole, whole lot of area there. That and a lot of space in between, which is the problem. So I go to this city, someone over here is like, when are you coming here? See, and when I lived in Oklahoma, and I only spent three years there. You know, there was a part of my brain that was like, well, it's kind of like right in the center of the country. And it's like, oh, yeah, but it's like eight <laughs> hours from everywhere. So yeah. <laughs> well, that's why they invented Bucky's. Okay. We have Bucky's everywhere. Oh, jeez. You know. <laughs> so, well, talking about the traveling here, um, I'm kind of traveling wrapping back that. into paranormal history. So, you, you've, uh, you've been overseas, you've done some tours over there. Uh, how, how does that energy there and, you know, the legends, ghost stories, hauntings, but like the, the energy at these old historic castles and things like this, different than uh, the type of uh, energy and what you'll find here in America? You know, it's one of those common descriptors that, oh, everything over there is so old. Yes. But uh, the clock has been ticking whether that culture was aware of what was going on over here. So it's older in a different sense. There's plenty of First Nation sites, mm -hmm. plenty of archaeological uh, curiosities in America that are worthy. We just don't have castles. Uh, right. Those are the cool things. I was in Wales last year, and it's part of the advertisement. Castles, castles, castles. There's more castles per capita in Wales than anywhere else in the UK. And each one I went to, and I do this pretty much every place I go to, I had to touch it. I had to put my hand on the stones. I had to just mentally put myself in the shoes of, all right, well, who built this? What were the people like at the time? What was going on in the world? What, what was this meant to do? And yeah, there's a feeling, and some of it might be my imagination, a little bit of uh, romantic nostalgia for history. But some places, yeah, you can definitely feel a palpable energy, something different that you're like, oh, this isn't my imagination. Uh, and I'm hoping to feel that again next year uh, when I go to France. Uh, the why do you... I'm sorry. Oh no! Why do you think? Go ahead. Why do you, Why do you think they say haunted for centuries and centuries and centuries? I mean, doesn't energy eventually dissipate? It does, and that's why this will. This is why I feel there's no caveman ghosts or twelve hundred or three thirteen hundred ghosts. You know, we've got the Elizabethan, the Victorian. We're kind of in that range, and that range will pass 
with us. And I feel I just like radioactive isotopes, there's half-lives. Eventually that energy can't persist. Uh, not to mention, I guess, if we're going to take reincarnation into account, those souls have already been recycled. And now that would be some interesting research. You know, what was mm. the half-life of a caveman spirit? Right. And that's yeah. the thing. If we're, if we're talking about residual, okay, yeah, residual can persist. And the people who come and do reenactments and ask the questions, a.k.a. Lizzie Bordenhouse, mm -hmm. will keep this energy alive. But it's not necessarily intelligent. It's, it's that recording. It's that ghostly haunting, not spirit per se. Yeah, I've seen, uh, you know, people attempt reenactments or and not necessarily of like the specific event. Uh, like you mentioned, Lizzie Bordenhouse, are not necessarily reenacting the actual uh, murders, but at least uh, acting out uh, a scene that would be reminiscent of that time period uh, to really try to make the spirits that are there kind of feel comfortable around you know, the living people that are there. Uh, the, the idea being that uh, they will be more interactive. Uh, do you believe that actually has uh, some merit there? Absolutely. I like to do what I call trigger events. Sometimes mm -hmm. we use trigger objects. I'll do trigger events. Uh, for three years in a row, um, back about 10 years ago, I did some events at Lizzie Borden called the retrial of Lizzie Borden. And it was open to 20 people, 10 for the defense, 10 for the prosecution. Uh, myself and Chris, we were the judges. Uh, we had the tour guides act out the parts of Lizzie, Emma, all the different possible suspects. And we gave the attendees access to all the court materials. Oh, wow. Here. You have two hours. Go make your case. And we held the trial on site in the basement for three years in a row. We put Lizzie back on trial. And every year... She was acquitted. Um, there just wasn't <laughs> enough uh, evidence. Uh, glove didn't fit. We had to acquit. And we felt that <laughs> that. Right. I thought people wouldn't be into it. I thought they're like, oh, this is history. It's no, we don't care. We just want to get down to hunting. No. Um, oh, my God. And, and Connie, Connie, you were in the chat room. Connie, you were there for one. I think you were there for the last one. Well, she mentioned that right here, like reenacting the Lizzie Borden trial. So, yeah, she mentioned it. People got so into it. Like those on the prosecution wanted to wanted her to hang. Those for the defense were like, "We're gonna, we're gonna save her," and they really got invested. And that emotional uh, energy, I felt that it 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 brought the place alive because we took a short break, and then when the investigation began, first EVP session, first question, we're getting answers. Mm -hmm. um, I like to immerse people into the location they're at. Last week at Ohio State Reformatory, people got locked up. I was the warden. Uh, Gary was was my uh, chief chief guard, and we marched people into the cell. We 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 treated them like prisoners for the first half, so that they got to feel a little bit of confusion, despair, mm -hmm. emotions that might have been uh, connected to the prison. And we, we can do this. It doesn't necessarily have to be an event, but we've heard of people playing appropriate music, dressing up in certain costumes. Uh, again, yeah, making the spirits feel comfortable. But I do differ 
in one way that a modern example, probably by accident, displays very well. And that's the show Ghosts on CBS. Ah, that's fun. The American version, uh, they have a, a Lenape Indian uh, as part of the as part of the uh, crew of ghosts that's in the right. place. And he was the second spirit to land there, to manifest there. And he is probably the hippest character there. <laughs> Why? Because, well, he's been there and he's watched history. He's watched the yeah. changes. He's kept up with the language. So when people say, oh, you have to speak in a certain way or they won't understand you. I say that's bunk. Send any of us to a foreign country for a week and we start picking up on mannerisms and learning some mm -hmm. words. So while it might be nice or maybe in a residual way to to uh, Singapore it up and, and, and do the things that would make them comfortable. But I think if they've been there and if they are intelligent and they're watching us, they kind of know what we're about and what we're they've doing. Picked up on a few things. Yeah. 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 That's really oh. interesting that you say that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I told you I was a Rennie and I do the garb and all that kind of stuff. And there is a Renaissance festival in central Texas in the middle of nowhere. It's Cherokee country. If you want to put any native American attachments. I do, I do want to point out that you said middle of nowhere and Texas in the same sentence. So remember that next time you're like, how come you don't come down here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I live in the middle of nowhere. I, I'm about two hours from the where you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere. But anyway, um, one of the things they did at this uh, Renfest was they created a pillar. Um, it's called the Seven Sisters, and there are seven large standing stones. Nothing was there before, you know, I think 15 years ago. Um, but we have gone there time and time again, and we hold our own rituals there. We have our own energy work that we do there. I've gone to a Viking funeral there. I've gone to weddings and drum circles. You go back now, and you can actually feel energy there. People are like, whoa, this feels great. Look at the energy. Do you think that can happen in other places, like during your reenactments? Can you start bringing that energy back or even creating it? I mean, out of nothing. Yes and yes. I do think re-energizing uh, re a location is possible. Like I said, uh, take Gettysburg, for example, with all the reenactments, they are keeping that yeah. place humming. Yeah. I also think, yes, you can bring energy to a new place. And actually, I lectured about this and in, in a different Yes to your question, but also parallel. I lectured about this uh, at Michigan Paracon this year, uh, something I'm calling unreal estates, where I'm positing that certain haunted, lo certain locations that we label as haunted may be acquiring a basic sentience, an awareness that it needs, it's hungry, and it does what it can to reach out to bring the appropriate uh, resources in. And I've been comparing this a lot uh, to the research done in forests, uh, talking about how it's all one living organism, it's all connected mm -hmm. and through my, uh, mycorrhizal networks beneath the ground, all the fungus on the roots. Yes, we see the trees above, they're one over there and one over there, but underneath the ground, they're together. Yeah. And That's I feel that with these haunted locations, uh, one of the big ones that I point out is the Conjuring House. Okay, it's been getting a lot of attention. People know about it. People hear about it. And I feel that maybe on a subconscious level, maybe uh, on a psi level, it's sending out signals. And those people receptive to it are like, oh, I wanted to go to the Conjuring House. Or, oh, what, what's there to do? And it brings you there. Mm -hmm. uh, 
just this week, I was having a conversation with somebody over at the Merchants and Drovers Tavern Museum in Rahway, New Jersey. And this is kind of my unofficial home base. I've done several events there. And they were telling me how the place seems to bring in people that it needs. And like, do tell. I was one of those people. They were having a hard time uh, doing paranormal events. The former board aged out. And they were like, no, we don't want to do any events anymore. And then I came in. We had a good event that they're like, oh, oh, this isn't so bad. And they started opening up to that again. Uh, they needed someone to fix the roof. And just lo and behold, somebody wandered by and said, oh, I've always wanted to check this place out. Um, oh, well, by the way, I'm a roofer. And I notice so many examples of this that what is needed, and it could be the people inside too, contributing to that, so sending out uh, unconscious signals or using uh, ESP in, in some way to affect those things. So to, to, to wrap up what, what you had asked, yes, uh, I believe that uh, we have a, a profound effect on our environment and the activity that uh, is within it. Well, it sounds like that's, uh, you know, kind of related to the idea of the tulpa or the thought form, you know, not exactly that, but at least similar to that, you know, with the thought form, you're creating a sentient being. It, it sounds like, you know, with what you've been describing here that, um, it, it's, it's similar, although not, you know, precisely that, but it's still, I think in the way that in the uh, the animal kingdom you have a lot of animals that are similar that have evolved in different ways this could mm -hmm. be some form of that like we don't have to put all our chips down and say this is the explanation or this is and if i pick this i can't pick that it's like oh i'll put some chips on here and some chips on here last week yeah. at osr oof in a, in in all i could describe as an amazing photo finish this is like something this was cinematic. This was like a TV show where you're getting into it, you're watching, and then boom, the credits hit. And you're like, oh, what happened? Almost the entire group was upstairs in the attic. And we were playing around with some apps. We were doing EVP sessions. And someone who had a bit of psychic ability started feeling a little weird. So I said, okay, everybody, turn off your lights. Shut off your, your torches. Put your iPhone, turn the light off. And we all gazed across towards the entrance to the attic where this shadow form was standing in the doorway. And it was doing a little kind of a little jig. And I'm thinking, okay, this is my eyes. Um, I'm adjusting to the dark. Probably where I look, it'll follow. And at the end is was a doorway. Beyond it was a cell block. So all we could really see was the frame of the doorway. This thing, this form moved out of the doorway up and over in a way that if it was just something in the doorway, it could not have done. Now, what made this interesting was that it was a shadow, but it also gave it, it radiated light almost mm -hmm. in the way that a black hole is dark, but the light that is being consumed by it, you can still see a halo, and that's what it displayed. And all of us are looking, we're like, hey, are you guys seeing this? Yeah, I'm saying, what is it? I don't know. 15 people flabbergasted, sitting in the dark, staring at this whatever. And I said, all right, uh, I can't see anybody, but 
in about 10 seconds, you might feel me pushing past you as I bolt down there to see what that is. Uh, one of my apprentices grabbed my arm. She's like, I'm with you too. All right. All right, let's go. I took two steps. Poof, the lights come on. It was 2 a.m. It was. Oh, it was wow. And <laughs> I was still looking at this thing and almost like a, a, a pillar of ice melting. It went. And just <laughs> melted into the background. I, I was like. That's interesting, Brian, because, you know, I've done a lot of work on on, uh, on shadow entities. So yeah. uh, I find that description very, very fascinating because, you know, you'll get, OK, it looks like a shadow. You'll get um, maybe it looks like a shimmer, but of course, light beams and things like that. The combination of the two like that, the uh, shadow with, uh, with a bit of a halo effect, that's definitely different. And, and you're saying it melted away. The black hole example is was was the best way i could describe it. yeah everything is being consumed by the black hole the hole itself is dark but as it's as it's consuming everything around it and that's the thing there was no lights in there mm -hmm. i tried to i tried to explain it by well maybe it's light coming from the cell block but when it moved the light came along with it like it glowed but it had it pure darkness at its core and I can't say I felt anything associated with it. We were quite some distance away, but um, had I gotten a chance to get to it, and that's the thing, when the lights came on, it's not like it just blinked out, which could have been uh, an illusion of the eye. It literally right. melted and dissipated to the side as, if, as if there were some substance that were uh, adverse to the light. Mm -hmm. Do you think it could have been some sort of interdimensional observer who was being transported out, you know, like on sure, a transporter yeah. pad, you know. The fact that I don't know what it what it was, everything is on the table. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah, I have some friends who have been seeing more shadow people. Uh, I think one of them might be in the chat room, um, TFT Tarot. During their, their um, podcast the other day, there was a shadow person, middle of the day, just walking through their doorway. So, um are there more shadow people, do you think, because we're coming into a new age? We're going from the Piscean age to the Aquarius age where we're more open-minded. We're seeing more things. Do you think that could be a possibility? We're in the age of Aquarius. We've been in the age of Aquarius. We're on the dawn of the age of Aquarius. I know. The, the dawn started back in the 60s. It took almost 50 years. Um, actually, the in thing is, is nobody knows exactly what year it is. So. True. Uh, but, I don't even know what day it is true. anymore. But, you know. but, let, but actually, Brian, uh, if you don't mind, let me... Uh, throw this one uh at victoria because i'll get this a lot when people ask me about uh shadows paranormal activity uh, all that sort of stuff you know do you think we're seeing more it seems like there's a lot of more reports of shadow people into the that sort of thing um you have to take into account a, a number of factors of why it seems like there are a lot more reports of this phenomena lately uh for one we have a lot more people in the world today than we did 20, 30, 40 years ago. Another thing is um, you know, people are talking about it a lot more. Remember, you know, it was taboo to talk about it. You know, you were going to be ostracized from the community. People were going to laugh at you. You might get put into a straitjacket and, and tossed into an institution somewhere. So you didn't talk about these things. But yeah, over the last 20, 25 years, as you know, the internet uh, has uh, caused people to 
uh, you know, communicate a lot more. You know, I, I first started networking with people in the, the mid nineties on like old forums and Yahoo groups and stuff like that. Um, the television shows, uh, we talked about it earlier where, you know, it's showing people that others are having these type of experiences too. You are not alone. So people are more comfortable now talking about it. So while it seems like, oh, there's a lot more reports about it. Well, yeah, of course, because of all these things we just mentioned. Well, it's not even that much because I would see like a shadow person. Sorry, I didn't interrupt. Like maybe once every two or three months, I'm seeing him like every every two or three days now. I'm seeing him in my office. I'm seeing him in the kitchen, you know, walking down the hall. There goes a shadow. I'm seeing him everywhere. I mean, the acceptance is definitely causal to the reports uh, of it being seen. I mean, it could be argued that the events in the world and, and the general feeling of panic maybe could be uh, adding to it because people, most people equate shadow with evil i'm not one of them um i've also been getting a lot into ufology and i'm thinking about like the agarthans and i'm thinking about all these different uh species and races that are that are here that um rewind back to the 50s and aliens were just little green men from mars that's it right. now we embrace uh, a complete uh cacophony of all these different people with different uh, agendas and some of them are good some of them are bad some don't care some can't even see us and i feel especially with shadow people again maybe the tv shows uh, they like to lean into uh the scare factor of it there's also like a paranormal me too where uh people like to be involved they like to be part of the club so I found that a lot of times people will go to a place, they've paid uh, a considerable fee to get there to investigate for a certain amount of time, and they would probably feel like either they didn't do it right or that they got chipped if they left and nothing happened. So and, and you'll hear, and they will jump because, hey, I had an experience too. But did you? I can't argue yeah. with that. It's all anecdotal, but I feel like some of the uh, increase in sightings was like, oh, yeah, 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 me too. Because everybody's seeing them. I didn't see one, but I'm going to say I did because I don't want to be left out. Yeah. I do want to start taking some questions here from the chat. There have been several throughout the show. Um, since we're talking about this subject now, uh, I want to take this from uh, Pine Dora Farms. Brian, what emotion did you feel with this shadow? Like I said, I didn't feel anything emanating off of it as far as uh, imagine if I were alone and I got a sense. Uh, the only emotion I felt was curiosity and you better make way because I'm, I'm, I'm coming towards you. Uh, had there been more time and maybe if I had gotten closer, I would have been able to uh, discern what I was feeling. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, this is from Alina, our chat moderator. This is going back to the reenactments. Do you think reenactments confuse spirits if they're watching? Lizzie would probably be like, what is this? <laughs> Again, I go back to Ghosts, where they have uh, this character. Uh, I think what his name is General Higginbottom. And he absolutely hates that Alexander Hamilton's got a musical. And he's, he's on currency. And he's got all the fame. <laughs> and meanwhile, oh, that's not how it happened. He was just a drunk. And he was this. And I feel, yeah, maybe... Uh, with the obfuscation of facts over the years, maybe if they were present, they look and they're like, that's not how it happened. Did, guys, are you seeing this? 
and they maybe they'll come in an EVP and say you're wrong, but <laughs> they 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 could be confused. Um, maybe they're entertained, uh, or maybe they're even honored that wow, I died so long ago, and there's they remember us. They still are honoring our struggle. Wow, that's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, from Tom McNicholas. And, and yeah, Tom, I don't know why your name is backwards there. Um, he he <laughs> thrown that down in the chat. I don't know why my name is backwards. Uh, so all older souls have moved on to the next universe. This is going back to when we were talking like uh, the, the cavemen. There's three words people need to learn to embrace and be comfortable with. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But if we're going to, if we're going to, uh, continue that uh, theory, I feel like, yes, there's a recycling of energy. We can come back and maybe we don't necessarily come back here, but there's uh, uh, things that, that I don't know necessarily if it's things that we have to do, but the other universe, there's theories like the bubble within a bubble that, all right, we're in this bubble. It's like the matrix. And no matter how deep into space we go, no matter how much we explore, we're still in the bubble a very heavy, finite uh, universe where the real world, or rather where a spirit is, these higher vibrational beings, yeah, they're out here. And that's what we're trying to get to. That's what we're trying to evolve to. And I mean, uh, on a very base level, it seems to make sense because, you know, it feels right. Like, yeah, that makes sense. I can't prove it. But uh, older souls, I could quantify that. Uh, you can come back. Uh, maybe there's no need to, uh, but maybe they want to. And uh, I've I've long struggled with free will versus fate. Mm. Uh, I was raised Catholic, so everything is, this is how it's got to be, and he died for you, and this is how it's going to be. But I thought I was given free will. Can't I do what I want? And I feel that this, uh, that reincarnation offers a solution to that, and that while we're here, Things were predetermined. Yes. But who chose it? You did. Why free will? How? Well, when you got to that loading zone or whatever, the that spirit realm, and Brian Prime, okay, ah. this life, Brian's <laughs> going to go down and be poor and struggle, okay, and in this life, he's going to do really well, but Brian Prime chose it, so he's exercising his free will. Meanwhile, the incarnation down here it feels like predetermination because oh, just that's my fate. That's what's going to happen. But technically, I chose it, and I feel like this is a uh, a solution to the dichotomy of which is it: free will or fate. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a subject that I mean, I've got ten minutes left, but it's kind of outside <laughs> the scope of tonight. But we should have we should uh, have a discussion on. It's in my book, Greens of Sand, Tales of there a you go. Life, available now. Uh, wherever we're actually where no books are sold because uh, it's all online <laughs> it's all online there you go yeah uh the the idea that um when you move on to i, I call it the home world for lack of a better term but it's a, a dimension outside of ours and may even be uh what we think dimensions are maybe even something outside of that um we could even get to simulation theory and, and things like that mm. but Another time we'll have you back to talk about those things. Um, Sarah Youssef says, we seem that we only experience a small percentage of the paranormal world. 
How could someone bring in or amplify phenomena into our limited experience spectrum? I think you accurately hit the nail on the head with limited. We are limited. We are three-dimensional beings in a universe that, that has many dimensions, that in this meat suit we're in, we can only perceive so much. It's like trying to fit a 4K video on an old Commodore 64 floppy disk. You just can't. You'd like to. You could notch it. Still can't fit That's it. Right. right? Notch it and use the other side. Which, you know who the old people are in this room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what... I feel like there are ways that we can put ourselves in the way. Uh, I kind of borrow this from Cheryl Strayed. You know, she says, put yourself in the way of beauty. I say, put yourself in the way of wonder, uh, of mystery. And like, yeah, there's things we can do to make sure that we're present for these things when, when they do uh, reveal themselves to us. But uh, great example from Neil deGrasse Tyson, he was describing how uh, a two-dimensional world would interact with a three-dimensional visitor. And because two dimensions, it's flat. Flatlanders, yeah. Greetings, Flatlander. The three-dimensional being would come and they would just see it as a point and boom, they'd bump into it. And then we'd say, hey, hi, how are you? To them, they can't, there's no up. So they're like, where's this voice coming from? It seems to be coming from thin air. It's almost like our EVP phenomenon. Maybe there's a fourth dimensional creature that again, we can't perceive that particular dimension, but it exists nonetheless. And we are hearing the effects from it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, we don't have the, the geometry to be able to see it. And you, and using the, the flatlander uh, example there, uh, one concept from that, uh, just talking about like a general shape because uh, flatland, you know, all we're talking two dimensional plane. Well, when you pass like a three dimensional object through that, so on your plane, let's say you're dropping a three dimensional sphere through. Well, as it's falling through that, all they're seeing is a circle start as a little point, get wider, wider, wider until you have the circle, and then it shrinks back down to the point. All the while, in the three dimensional realm, it's a sphere that's passing through it. But people on that plane, that flatland, they don't have the the geometry uh, to be able to perceive that. So, yeah, I, I like that you brought that up. There could be only flat. <laughs> okay, and, and that's one of the issues with with us when um, we were talking. Uh, you know, okay, there's up to eleven hyper hyperspatial dimensions. Great. Okay, we are in like four. Right. We can perceive all the ones below us. You know, three, two, one. We're in the fourth of time. But okay, fifth, sixth, seventh, we have our theoretical physics tell us that they're there. We have some ideas of what might be there. But if we were to actually see it for ourselves, we'd probably be totally blown away. Yeah, I mean, that's, and, and again, I love, uh, I'm, you, you know, I'm a big pop culture junkie, so I mm -hmm. love movies and, and TV shows. And I, I uh, remember Kevin Smith's Dogma. And uh, when the Metatron comes down, he's like, oh, I'm the voice of God because uh, if you puny mortals heard his true voice, your brains would explode in your head. And anytime someone said that they're talking to a bush or talking to God, they're talking to me. And I'm like, yeah, that, that again, makes a rough sense that this, this, is, this machine is only designed to handle so much. So um, 
uh, even on the show Supernatural, anytime uh, angels were present, you would hear this high-pitched noise and like, oh, it hurts, it hurts. It's like, yo, yeah, they're probably just talking. But again, we can't handle it. Yeah. Yeah, our eyes only see into a, a certain uh, range on the visible spectrum. Uh, you know, we only hear at certain frequencies. Uh, and we see it on our cats and dogs. They can see and hear things much better than we uh, we're we're pretty limited. So, and from the yeah. from the moment we roll off the lot, it's all downhill. We start losing capacity <laughs> and everything. So yeah, you 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 can't trust your eyes or your ears. Yeah, especially uh, at our age. Victoria's lucky; she's still in her twenties. Twenty-seven and holding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a quick question before you go. Um, yeah. In the beginning, you were in the beginning. You were talking about um, in the beginning. Ooh, um, People who are explorers, travelers, researchers, and you gave percentages, and I have a fine arts degree, so I didn't do the math. But where would you put those of us who live a paranormal life every day? Um, especially, Cody just said something. Um, yeah, I I don't want to say, Ooh, look at me. I don't really stay in this existence. I'm usually way, way out there. I do a lot of meditating, you know, ask anybody. Um, and my ex-husband, who's now passed over, he's been showing up a lot, Cody. So he's been showing up probably the last two weeks can't get rid of him um so that's probably who you're seeing <laughs> um what where would you put us on your your spectrum of travelers investigators i mean are there a lot you, of us you here? got distracted in the asking of your question so i got distracted in what the question was can you please rephrase <laughs> pink pink the answer is pink okay in your um 41 42 42 i thought, right? I thought, it, I thought it was 43 <laughs> Oh, anyway. Um, okay, you said there were people who were traveling, who were investigating, who were researching. Investigators and researchers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you gave a percentage and I didn't do the math. There are those of us who live a paranormal life every single day. Um, it's just our life. We're not into the paranormal. It just happens to us. Where would you put us in that lineup? Is there a great deal of us? Or is, are we a small number? If you're talking about people who live a paranormal life, that's just called life. We're right. all in it. We're all living it. Uh, it is not necessary to categorize, but uh, if you're trying to to fit it into that mold, that's like saying, "Is someone religious in the clergy?" No. They you can you can have your experiences, but not actively seek them or or um, try to to uh, experience them uh, in such a way. So I feel like those. Who have a paranormal life it's not up to me to determine where you are that's something you've got to do anybody have you encountered a lot of us because like i'll be on a podcast and they'll the first question is how did you get into the paranormal like, oh yeah that's usually i'm glad I you was born. that's usually the first question i get asked but i can't <laughs> and like you know this um our tables are usually together at, at uh, the events we go to yeah. so we get asked this all the time oh constantly uh, yeah you, yeah we, we meet people who's like oh i don't believe in any of this stuff but Oh, I got a picture of an angel. Hold on a second. Let me find this. Yeah. It's like my answer is I was born. It's this has mm -hmm. been happening my entire we're all life. In it. And yeah. that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. We're those of us in the community, and I don't say the field. I'm I'm annoyed at people who are like, we're in the field. No, you're not in the field. You know, if you can't name those people, if you haven't written a paper, if you're unaware of what the SPR is or the Ryan research, you're not in the field. Technically, I'm not in the field. We are in the community, and it's what you do with it while you're in the community that determines what category you're in. And you can you can throttle up, you can throttle down. Uh, we have again, we do have our free will, so it's okay to go to a place and just have fun and experience it and just have your scare. And then on Monday, 
get back to the research or some people who are like, you know, I didn't take it seriously before, but you know what? I want to know more. And they'll move up into the investigator category. It's, it's life. It's we're, we're, we're constantly adjusting. Yep. I agree. I mean, we're all spiritual beings, but doesn't mean we're going to, doesn't mean we're involved in those different levels. So, yeah. Um, we're about to wrap this up. So those that are uh, part of the paranormal, or, or the paranormal <laughs> for those that are part of, I was about to say, those that are uh, part of the paranormal community, those that are members the paranormal of, humidity. Talking <laughs> oh. down here. <laughs> yeah. Those that are part of the Connected Universe uh, portal community. We'll be kicking over to you for the after show here in just a moment. Those that are listening to the podcast version of this later, please join us live uh, every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, connecteduniverseportal.com. We will have to say goodbye to our uh, the public side, the YouTube viewers. I do want to address this real quick from Sage Sleuth. Uh, I like your bookcase. Really nice backdrop. Um, this, I'm, I'm at Jen's house tonight. This is all her. She put this together. Um, so, so you can uh, give her the compliment if if Jen is still down there in the chat. I'm not sure. I see the Eiffel Tower. Do I not? Yeah, yeah, Eiffel Tower. This side. Yeah, nice. uh, that was on our way to Egypt back in February. We spent a day and a half there in uh, Paris. Uh, I'll be seeing it next year if my tour goes through. So we got to manifest this. Are you guys in the chat room? Yes, mm -hmm. I have a uh, tour going to France next year, starting on uh, Paris, going out to Mont Saint Michel, and ending up in Normandy. So history, haunts, and heritage. Yep. So yeah. Uh, on that note, Brian, please let everybody know where they can find the tour, find your book, find your game. All Everything right. about me, Thanks. you can go to NeverStopSearching.com. NeverStopSearching.com. So, all right. I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Uh, Connect Universe Portal members, we are going to see you there, everybody else. Until next time, if time really exists.